Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. We're your hosts, Angie Smith and Tonya Kronschnabel. The Retreat House table's a little more decorated this Christmas season. We have our Advent wreath in the middle, and this week we're lighting the candle of peace. So I really hope that you'll pull up a chair and join us as we talk to Kathy Solomon about peace. We are back from being on location and back at the Retreat House table today. And we're very excited to be here. And I am especially excited to, to be looking across the table at my dear friend, Kathy Solomon. As we explained in our little intro, uh, the way that uh, Angie and I got to know each other was through this very intensive Bible study that we did for two years. And Kathy was the very gifted and knowledgeable and amazing lady who led that Bible study for us um, for that two years. And so we are... Uh, very excited to hear what the Lord might have for us today. So, Kathy, is there anything you'd like to tell us about yourself? Well, thank you so much for the introduction and being invited to the table. This is a delight for me to be here and to be sharing this time with you. And I feel like I just took a knee and received a blessing. So <laughs> thank you so much uh, about me. I introduced myself through my life role to walk alongside others in their personal and spiritual formation. And that's what I enjoy doing as well. I've been married to my husband, Jeff, for 30 years, and we have four kids, three that um, have come from my womb and one who's come into the family through covenant. So um, it's delightful to have um, children who are pretty much on their way of being grown up. Our youngest just turned 20 about a month ago. And so that describes some about me. <laughs> and as you've said, I love to be in the Word, and I love to be gathered with others in fellowship and around the Word of God. Amen. So, yep. yeah. so we're talking about peace today. And peace is something that you've been sitting with, been studying, that God has been revealing it to you in, in different layers, in different ways, I guess, like a greater, deeper understanding of it. So let's talk about what peace is, and then what does it have to do with Advent? As I was sitting at your dining table about a month ago, and you had mentioned that you were going to be doing an Advent series and invited me to be part of that, and rattled off the words of Advent, love, joy, peace, hope, and if I'd be interested in doing one of those, I just immediately said peace, mm -hmm. which surprised me somewhat that that just jumped right, <laughs> right out of me because usually I think about things mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and part of it really, I think, just segues in from your first series that you were doing on calling mm -hmm. and then into that word. Over the past months, I've been taking some time to reflect and try and unlayer or sit before the Lord with open hands in the in an aspect of calling and saying, what is my name before you, Lord, and how am I living into my name? And as some people talk about living into your name, they, they say that the Lord might give you a name, like, for example, in the scriptures, Barnabas, uh, also I'm going, that wasn't his given name. I can't remember what his given name was, but that they called him Barnabas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So his name was changed to really reflect who he was or even... Um, like Saul, Saul and Paul. Paul. Saul and Paul. Abram and Abraham. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Jacob. Yes. Mm -hmm. Jacob yes. becomes Israel. And so 
first I just was kind of asking the Lord, okay, my name, Kathy Solomon. Years ago, I was given a Precious Moments mug that had Kathy on it and the meaning of my name, which is pure, and then an acronym words coming out describing Kathy, and I think it was care and admirable and trustworthy and I don't know, but it, it did not land on me at all. I just okay. never enjoyed <laughs> looking at this cute little precious moments mug that I had around the concept of pure. And I think it was just this sense of pure to me meant someone who is self-righteous and holier than thou mm-hmm. and beyond reproach. And that's not me that I that's not any of us <laughs> yes. the company there. Right. Um, so it was a little bit like ah, I don't like the meaning of my name mm-hmm. yet in also a few months before Angie as we had been talking and you had been you threw out to me the idea of a series around refining mm-hmm. and you had invited me to be part of that and same thing as you said that refining I thought oh what in the world would I have to contribute to that? And I sat down, I think it was the next day, with a young woman who I mentor and brought this up to her saying, oh, I've been invited to do this. The topic is refining. And she just looked at me and said, that fits you perfectly. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> yes. funny to me that you <laughs> think that it doesn't. So let me put this back to you. Mm-hmm. In refining, how did you see that to fit with me? The way that I've seen refinement is after you graduated from seminary and really wanted to be where the Lord wanted you to be, really wanted you to serve, you really wanted to serve him in the place that he had for you. And it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening and it wasn't coming. And yet you remained open-handed about it. And the way that you continued to seek him, even though you weren't It wasn't even that you weren't getting the answer that you wanted. It was, I mean, it appeared to me like you weren't getting any answer. It was like a wilderness period, which I always think of a wilderness period as being a refining, a time of refinement. Yeah, I always thought of refining as in like the refining fire, like burning away stuff that doesn't doesn't matter to mm-hmm. get to the stuff that really does. And I've found through the many years of knowing you and being um, in an intensive Bible study, you have a very, you have a gift at gently showing people how to burn away what doesn't matter, to find what it is that really does speak to you, that really does matter. And for people, that's different. See, before that Bible study, I didn't realize how much, how hungry I was for the word until other stuff got Mm. burnt away so that then I was able to go, wow, I've discovered. So as far as that refining, it's something that happens with all of us, but you also, I think, in a very gentle way, help other women to experience that refining so that they know what their calling might be. I know lots of people from that study who have gone out and off and realized, having burnt away all the other stuff, like, no, this is what my passion is. This is the way that the Lord speaks to me. So that's just another way of, I don't think it's necessary. like it can have negative connotations, but mm. it doesn't necessarily have to be. It's just a burning away that of, of what doesn't matter to really see what does. Does that resonate? Uh, this is affirming just because the 
picture I've had in my mind over the past months as I've been simmering in this is of this season that I'm in of being in a crucible, which mm-hmm. my refining the the season I'm in right now is not where I'm like being molded, easily molded, like with Play-Doh. And isn't this going to be a cute little thing that comes out? But it um, has come in the after time from being in seminary. And I just feel this, it's kind of like a grinding or a pushing away. And Richard Rohr has a description where he calls it, you've been in order. And then Mm. I think through seminary, I came into disorder just in different ideas and concepts and different perspectives on the Christian faith than I had previously been exposed to, Mm -hmm. which were very narrow. And so I'm in this season of disorder, yet reorder, and and it feels crucible-ishness to me. I do feel like I am being refined. And so it's encouraging to me to see how I bring that to other people. Yet it's not refining in the sense of being contracted or constricted in, but yet it's expanding out, Mm -hmm. which is delightful. But it's, it's just settling into some other ways of walking in my faith that I haven't experienced before. But it, so that's encouraging. So one, my name, Kathy, of me coming to terms with, oh, that does fit, even though I didn't think pure fit refinement definitely is landing. And then the second aspect of my name is my last name, Solomon, which I married into. Uh, I brought a plate that I made probably five or six years ago that has, um, I, I took this plate that I, a, a silver plate that I picked up at Goodwill and chalk painted the middle of it and wrote in the name Solomon, which means peace and, or the Hebrew word shalom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And while I think it describes my husband, if you know Jeff. (laughs) He just is very calm, Mm -hmm. low-key. Things don't seem to rattle him. But I wouldn't necessarily have said that about me. Um, So I have also been taking this journey into what is shalom, what is peace. So when you brought up the different words of Advent, I immediately jumped and said peace Mm -hmm. because I have been sitting there and trying to listen intently and to hear God. Mm-hmm. One of the descriptions I've heard of the wilderness is that it's based on a Hebrew word, which is um, around the sense of speaking. So debar, midbar to, deba- to debar, the wilderness is where you hear God speak. Mm. So mm-hmm. while this has been a wilderness time, I'm trying to intently hear God speak Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because things are stripped away Mm -hmm. Um, so what so what have you been discovering about peace and what it means and shalom the word shalom because that's been part of it too right yes kind of going back to shalom yes well I'm going to have us go to a scripture and use this as our text to to describe and bring about an understanding of peace First of all, just what do we usually think of when we hear a peace? How would you describe that or define peace? Non-war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yes, that's the, that's always been my initial. And then 
then obviously as I've grown older, being a mature woman, <laughs> um, now to me peace is the ability to um, to have strife and stuff going around on going on around you, but inside being able to keep that quietness and stillness before the Lord and not the complete and utter panic when everything else is going crazy, which I'm not good at, but what I would love to have that peace, the peace that the Lord, that the world can't take away sort of peace. Mm-hmm. And I always sort of put it together with trust, mm-hmm. trust and peace that if I'm trusting, I will be at peace. Yes. And I'm usually not. Yes. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> three for three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, usually I think we would define peace as tranquility, mm-hmm. and cessation calm. of war, calm, absence of conflict. So I've been sitting in a little bit different definition of shalom. So let's go to Genesis 37. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go ahead and do a little context setup. So we're in Genesis, which is the book of beginnings. This is the be- how Scripture begins in creation and in um, mankind, in the generations that start with the generations of Adam and Eve through Noah, on and on to Abram and Isaac and Jacob and his sons. And there's many things just as far as motifs or trajectories or threads in the scriptures that go from Genesis through Revelations. And so it's a really important book to start and see these first times that that these concepts and these Mm -hmm. words are used and then use those as definitions as we go forward. Genesis 37, we're going to be talking about Joseph, which is one of Jacob, who's now been named Israel. He has 12 sons. Number 11 is Joseph out of the 12. And uh, the sons, as most of the stories of brothers in Genesis, are not getting along. Well, and I think something that's also important to remember is that we have Jacob, let me back, yeah, Jacob married to Rachel and Leah. And okay, who's Joseph's mom? Rachel. Rachel, who was the favorite. Who was the wife. favorite one. So not only are they the, his older brothers, They're he's the young mother. he's the younger brother. He's the son of the mother that, that was loved. That, that was, was loved. loved and mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. really go about it really well no, either. No. Showing off his coat. No. <laughs> telling his brother about his dreams, his brothers. <laughs> yes. You will bow to me. I saw it in a dream. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the Joseph. Yes. So we've had Joseph who's We know his brothers hate him because he's had these dreams saying, in one of my dreams, um, I'm reigning over you, and which makes the brothers hate him more. Mm -hmm. And in the second dream, he says, oh, by the way, the whole family is bowing down to me, including my dear father who loves me, Jacob. And gave me this coat. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, which adds to the brothers not liking him and not being at peace with him. The brothers have gone off to take care of their father's flock, all of the brothers, except for Joseph. Israel comes and says something to Joseph in Genesis 37, um, verses 13 and 14. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. 
Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. Israel says to Joseph, Your brothers are off pasturing the flock, and I'm going to send you to them. And Joseph replies to him and says, Here I am. And another time you could do a series on the here I am's in Mm -hmm. scripture, uh, the Hananis, when people present themselves either before God or before someone else and says, yes, I am here. I am Mm -hmm. present. I am ready to, to do what you have for me to do. I will obey. And his father says, go see to the well being or see if it is well with your brothers. That word well is the word shalom. So it is, go see to the peace, go see to the well-being of your brothers. This is one of the first times that peace is used in Genesis. There's a few previous times, but this story just really fleshes out an aspect of peace. So that so many times we think of peace as being, all right, is he saying, go see that there's no conflict now between your brothers who you've irritated and who (laughs) can't stand you? Right. Mm -hmm. He is saying, go see to the well-being. Shalom is also translated as wholeness, Mm. well-being, completeness. So just to move a little bit and say, shalom is seen to the wholeness of others. There's this broken relationship that Joseph has with his brothers, and now his father who should have really kind of been tending to the wholeness of his family, sends Joseph into a place. He sends the son that he loved to the brothers who hate him. Jacob. So he's sort of sending him into the, like the den of lions. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He's not sending him to a safe place. Mm -hmm. He says, go see to the well-being, to the shalom of your brothers. The text goes on to say that he heads out and he meets up with a man And the man asks him, what are you seeking? Which is also one of the first questions that we come across in Genesis. There's just some wonderful questions that are asked by people, either by God in different situations. For example, in the garden, when um, Adam and Eve eat of the tree that they were not supposed to eat, God's first response to them is, where are you? He doesn't say, what in the heck have you done? (laughs) You know, you are in so much trouble. But he says, where are you? So it can be also a fabulous study to go and look at some of these first questions in Genesis that are asked. And um, this man asks him, what are you seeking? And he says, I am seeking my brothers. Now, you know, that could be that he's leaving out the shalom, that he's saying, what I really want is my brotherly relationship. Not sure if he's kind of deleting. I'm, I've got to go seek to the wholeness of my brothers, and I really don't want that. All I really want is for them to accept me and to love me and be part of the, the crowd. But either way, the story unfolds for chapters and chapters and chapters about how this seeking to the shalom of, of his brothers, how Joseph lives into that. As we know, his brother's are debating whether they're going to kill him, whether one wants to restore him, or whether they're going to exile him, which also those are themes throughout Genesis that happen with brothers. Either um, they're killed, as we know in Cain and Abel, Abel. Mm -hmm. or they're sent away, 
or Reuben is asking for restoration here. But they end up, he gets sent away and becomes a, a slave in Egypt. And just through his story in Egypt and being in first in Potiphar's house, he sees to the shalom of that house. Um, it talks about how God had favor upon him and things went well in Potiphar's house as Joseph was there until... Potiphar's wife got involved. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tried to get involved. Yes. <laughs> Tried. Uh-huh. Right. And then lied Tried. about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting and... to think about that word peace and how Israel told him to go to the peace of your brothers and how the Lord ended up using that. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at the bigger narrative, it was for the family's well-being that Joseph got sold into slavery and went to jail and could translate the dreams and that ended up for being for their family's well-being that's interesting over time right over yes time. yes so immediately it doesn't happen but this whole journey of him being sold into slavery of then going into prison mm-hmm. and then helping interpret pharaoh's dreams and say okay he, he not only brings wholeness eventually to his family but to the land of egypt right. through mm-hmm. this famine mm-hmm. yes I've learned a lot about peace from Joseph and this idea of seeing to the wholeness of other people compared to trying to look at situations and say, this situation is, is broken and, and it's a mess. I just want to say to somebody, well, don't worry about it. Just trust God. Just be peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, be calm. Sometimes that seems that's too hard or it's too big for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But in the sense of, can I go see to the brokenness of others and tend to them for what makes could make them whole? Well, now that's a whole something I can live into. Mm-hmm. Right, which kind of goes back to what Tanya was saying about refinement, about how you're able to speak into people's lives with... With a refining eye. Yes. Or helping them to have eyes of refinement or for refinement. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm. New Testament, uh, the Greek word for peace, I think that just fits very well into, so what does peace have to do with Advent? Mm-hmm. From a little research that I've done, I'm not from a tradition that's heavenly celebrated Advent, but am walking in one now. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested. One of my strength finders is learner, so I'm I'm always interested in. Oh well, let me learn more. And and I'm I love the journey of learning as maybe even more so than like the answers. And the kind discovery. Of thing. Yes. Yes. Right. yes. Um, let's go to Luke chapter two, because that's where peace, the Advent peace, is grounded in the story of Christ's birth. 2, 1 through 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, 
a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. That's amazing to think about what that would have been like for the shepherds. We had talked about that with, and when we talked about hope last week, about they were the lowest of the low, and that's who the angels appeared to. And then had this great proclamation about glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Yes, it is amazing. And and the story also sets up that Jesus, his birth is not during a peaceful time. Mm. I mean, mm. the context is that the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel, they are in their land, but they are under the rule of the Roman Empire. So instead of being exiled out to Babylon or to Assyria or taken somewhere else, they are back in their land, but they are not free. They mm -hmm. are ruled by someone else. And even as I always read this story, and I'm just bewildered that Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem with all the rest of the relatives, right. and when it's time for her to have a child... There's nowhere. And and it's family. Yes. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, they couldn't well, kick anybody else out and find <laughs> a spot for the poor, very young, very pregnant... Mary? Well, and then you think about Jewish custom of hospitality. Hospitality. Right. Mm. And that they, I mean, was it that crowded that there wasn't room? Or were they that ostracized for what was happening that they, you know, could she be. was pregnant with, you know, God's baby <laughs> and people didn't believe that? Yes. So they're in a situation that's not peaceful, mm -hmm. one in the time where they're living and two around the circumstances of his of Christ's birth, of Jesus' birth. And so the announcement gets said to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem, not to the town of Bethlehem, mm. saying, all right, all these angels show up saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, on earth shalom. The Greek word for peace is irene. And uh, it's probably a, a verb that comes from the a word that means to join, hmm. so to join together. So in a sense, somewhat of linking with the idea of shalom, of like wholeness, men, yeah, men of, being, of, of yeah. join mm -hmm. is bringing together. Wholeness means that things have been broken, right, to mm -hmm. be made whole. Right. Uh, so to join 
also just different ways it's um, translated as exempt from war, harmony, accord between individuals and between God. And yet my husband the other day as we were talking about this said, gosh, so much, so many times we read that as, okay, now there's going to be tranquility on earth. But what if it is that now there's peace? Now peace has been born Mm -hmm. on earth, just like John talks about the light has come into the world. So that's why we have the Advent candle of peace. It's from this passage. It's from the angel's proclamation. It's from their message of peace is coming. And Later on in Luke, there's a series of stories that I think just exemplify how Jesus brought peace. First, there's a story of a a great storm on a lake, and Mm -hmm. Jesus says, hush or peace, be still to this lake, and it is calmed. And then the story following after that is of the Gerizim's demoniac, where this person is out of control. There's no way that they could be kind of confined. He would break the shackles. He was just out of control. And Jesus brings peace to this man. He casts the demons out. Yes, he restores Mm -hmm. him to wholeness. And then right after that story is the story of where Jesus is called by Jairus, the synagogue ruler, to come and to um, lay hands on his daughter. And that whole journey gets interrupted by the woman who's hemorrhaging. Mm And reaches out and touches Jesus, and Jesus restores her, and he actually says to her, daughter, your faith is is what has, has, made, you has, well. has made you well. Mm-hmm. Go in peace. And then after that, he heads to the home, and he lays his hands on this young daughter, daughter who's died and raises her to life, restores her to life. So he restores someone who's spiritually unwhole, someone mm-hmm. who's physically unwhole, and eventually also shows his power over death itself. And each one of these situations, I mean, the Gerizim's demoniac, you wouldn't touch somebody like that. And also, if I'm right in my memory, Gerizim's is Gentile territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and he touches a woman who's bleeding you know, all, all of the these, unclean, all like of the unclean the situations, mm-hmm. they're, they're all these individuals who he has seen and he is tending to their wholeness. Mm-hmm. So again, as Joseph, as we see in Jesus, this idea of how can we tend to the wholeness of others? Um, it It's just helped me, uh, you know, I have friends in different situations recently that have been really hard. Um have a friend who... Recently, her mother-in-law passed away, and right on the heels of that, her sister, who's been dealing with terminal cancer, went into the hospital and is on hospice. Mm -hmm. I mean, just right Mm -hmm. on top of each other. And I continue to think, what can I do to tend to the wholeness of my friend? I I mean, the Lord's going to have to deal with her with coming to peace with all that's happened. But every week as I'm making soup, I make a double batch, and go drop off a a batch of soup mm-hmm. at her house. And um, this is the day that I've been calling her each week and saying, just check in. And um, a few weeks ago, she just needed a time for me to sit and listen to her as she um, needed to just dump, 
you know, all the heartache that she's been feeling. So just being a listening presence was tending to her wholeness. Actually, the day that I had seen you about a month ago, I had just come from meeting with her where the Lord just said, listen, that's how you're going to tend to her wholeness. Just Mm -hmm. listen. And then I came in and saw you to drop off something. And you said, Mm -hmm. oh, I need you to ask me questions. And, um, (laughs) you know, so so it's like, okay, Lord, how I can see to the wholeness of this friend is Mm -hmm. to ask questions. We're in this other situation. I just needed to listen. So um, if if it's up to me to bring tranquility, to bring calm, to change people's circumstances so they're not freaking out, that just isn't going to work. That's unattainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I can say, all right, Lord, how can I help see to the wholeness of others? How can I seek their shalom? How can I live into that word and live into my name right. and live into this season and see the example of Christ, well, that's something doable. That's something doable. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that is that Solomon, like you said, is your married name and that it's it's your covenant Mm. name. You made a covenant with Jeff and received that name. And for me to find a way to explore it and to live into it Mm -hmm. is instead of just saying, oh, no, that's Jeff's name. Actually, Jeff means peace and Solomon means peace. So he is peace, peace. explains a lot about Jeff. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So ladies, find someone called Jeff (laughs) and Solomon. (laughs) But not Kathy's Jeff. But not Kathy's Jeff. Exactly. No Potiphar and wife on my No, no, no. That's not what I mean. I know. So, I mean, you've talked a little bit about how this has impacted the way that you come along friends have there been other ways that this discovery about what your name is the lord the name that the that you've been given other ways that you're walking that out or receiving that from the lord i would say it's still part of a journey that i'm on right now last week someone asked me the question do you see how your two names work together pure and peace. Mm. And I said, I'll have to think about that. So I'm still listening. Journey. And again, I'm a, I am like walking in things. I just don't go do a walk and then we're done. But mm-hmm. let's, let's journey into this. One of my words, walking right. journey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so continue to explore mm-hmm. with me and together. This is the Retreat House podcast. And so as you know, I ask all my guests two questions. What does retreat look like for you? Is it a place? Is it a practice? Is it both? I am learning more about it. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things my husband and I are doing right now in this season is we're part of a a study cohort with an organization called 40 Orchards. And so for the next, for 40 weeks, we are studying with 15 other people, different kind of seeds or motifs or these uh, word trajectories in the scriptures. And the first one we started with was Sabbath. Mm. Wow. So kind of bringing in a practice of Sabbath is something that we're playing with Mm -hmm. right now, trying to practice. And so besides trying to set aside some intentional time each week to live out of, we rest to work compared to earning our rest 
from work, mm. um, really seeing our working coming out of rest, mm-hmm. is a whole mind shift, um, reframing, refining. Mm-hmm. And with that, there's just times in the day when I'll, I'll try and take time to to stop and to see. So even before I came here, I had a half hour. So I stopped at a local lake with a parking lot and just sat there and enjoyed that quiet and calm before I came. And walking is also a practice of rest and retreat for me. So even just a walk around the block is is part of how I rest and retreat. Uh, as well, it's nice just to have certain times set aside, even though on a regular basis, mm-hmm. I really don't do that. But looking across at both of you, you were both involved with me in a time when our, our women's group would retreat. Mm-hmm. And Angie, you were the planner, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Tanya was the worship worshiper. Uh, you all need to know that Tanya has a gift of worship that is similar to the angels, where you feel like you're in the presence of God, that... Uh, is delights my soul. Mm-hmm. So, so my other question is: We like to celebrate weird in my family. So, if you're to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would it be? Ah, two things that I'd say. One is we're transplants, so mm-hmm. everyone in Minnesota just kind of looks at you like you're weird. Tanya, you're from New Zealand, from so New Zealand, you're yes. really weird. How in the world <laughs> you ended up here? But um, I'm from Arizona. Jeff's from Colorado. We met in California. We've lived here for 27 years. So that's weird for Minnesotans mm-hmm. that we live here. And uh, the second thing is um, my husband is an engineer. And so when questions come up in our house or around our dinner table, there's usually, before we go to Google and ask Siri about something, we take this time to say, well, let's stop and think about that. How could that be? So our kids just kind of joke that they were raised with this inquisitive mind. Recently, just over the Thanksgiving break, my youngest was home. And one of the things I did recently was make limoncello from from scratch. Mm. So peeled lemons. Oh my goodness. Added some liquor and you let it seep and you get limoncello. Oh, mm. add a whole bunch of sugar water to it. But um I put it in the freezer and we had this whole discussion of is it going to freeze? Is it going to break the bottle? And what would go into that? Let's just take some time to think about that. So we're a very geeky <laughs> science-minded family about how could things be um, so that's great that's weird <laughs> so Kathy I think that you've chosen a great scripture to kind of lead us out so um, before you read the scripture I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and not only sharing your journey but sharing all of these great like all the nuggets of knowledge that you've picked up along the way about peace and shalom and the process that you've been on and the way that that's informed what peace means then in Advent and giving a new a new light into the Christmas story too. So thank you so much for coming on. I thank you for it. having me. And I'll close us with this blessing from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, as Jesus is saying his last words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. Jesus said, Peace, shalom, wholeness, I leave with you. My peace, 
my shalom, my wholeness, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace. Shalom. And so this Christmas, I hope you'll take the time to come on down to my side of town, cause you're a friend of mine.